Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. School doors shut. From Friday afternoon, they will remain closed for most pupils until further notice. A clear message from the WHO. Countries must isolate, test, treat and trace. And a doctor answers your questions. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Shut from Friday until further notice. Boris Johnson follows in the footsteps of Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, who all announced school closures today. The government had resisted the move over fears it was too early. But now Education Secretary Gavin Williamson says it's the right time to shut schools, which will apply downward pressure on an upward curve. The spike of the virus is increasing at a faster pace than anticipated. This will be for all children, except to those of key workers and where children who are most vulnerable. The scientific advice shows that these settings are safe for this small number of children to continue attending, but asking others to stay away will just go towards helping us slow the spread of this virus. Exams set to take place in May and June will no longer go ahead, but Boris Johnson insisted students would receive qualifications. Camilla Turner is The Telegraph's education editor. This is completely unprecedented. Even in World War II, schools stayed open, even though some relocated out of London. But we've never seen on such a mass scale the widespread closures of schools. Now, the government's announcement about schools in England um, this afternoon came after the Welsh government and the Scottish government announced the same thing earlier on today. Now, the biggest question mark after this press conference is over GCSEs and A-levels. Gavin Williamson said that they will be cancelled. No one will be sitting their exams this summer, but it's slightly unclear what's going to come instead, um, whether it will be some other kind of exam or whether it will be predicted grades. The details haven't quite been worked out, but what we do know is that all exams this summer are cancelled. 25,000 people will be tested for COVID-19 in the UK every day, according to the Prime Minister. It's a drastic departure from the current strategy. At the moment, only 54,000 people have been tested altogether. It follows the Director General of the World Health Organization's insistence that members battling the virus have to scale up their response to the crisis. To suppress and control the epidemics, countries must isolate test, treat and trace. If they don't, transmission chains can continue at a low level, then resurge once physical distancing measures are lifted. 
The government had come under fire for low testing rates, with critics saying that untested NHS workers risk spreading the virus to vulnerable patients. Boris Johnson said he understood the concerns. NHS staff should feel that they're able to interact with patients with with perfect uh, security and protection. So uh, there is a massive effort going on, comparable to the effort to uh, build enough ventilators to ensure that uh, we have uh, adequate supplies of PPE equipment, not just now, but throughout uh, the outbreak. And if you want proof that mass testing works, well, you might have found it in a small town in northern Italy. Vo, near Venice, has reportedly stopped all new coronavirus infections with a system of mass testing. It was one of the 11 towns and villages at the centre of the country's outbreak and began the trial at the start of the pandemic in Europe. The experiment involved blanket testing the town's entire population of over 3,000 people and strict quarantine for those infected and their contacts. Italian reports suggest the town hasn't registered new cases since Friday. It's a sad fact of life. Where there's worry, there's a scammer ready to exploit it. And the internet can make that all too easy. Since the beginning of February, scammers have stolen up to £800,000 by using desperation and confusion caused by the pandemic. That's according to the National Fraud Intelligence Bureau. But what can you do to stay alert, particularly when you're spending more time than usual online? The Telegraph's personal finance reporter, Sam Meadows, has been looking into the scams. In one case, the victim had paid £15,000 for face masks to protect against the virus. The masks turned out to be fake. Watch out for anyone offering you something that is too good to be true. Common scams which the Telegraph has spotted include a Covid-inspired twist on email scams. You might receive an email which appears to come from a trusted source, like the World Health Organization or HMRC, and ask you to click on a link. Don't do it. It could be an attempt to harvest your personal information. Be careful buying online too. Lots of fake goods and services are being touted, so try to buy from sources you trust. If you're at all unsure, then check with friends or family members before buying and report anything you do see to the police via action fraud. Just four months ago, most of us had never even heard of COVID-19 and things are moving quicker by the day. So it's no wonder there's such an appetite for information. At the end of each show, I try to answer a listener's question, but many of you got in touch with questions that are much better put to a medical practitioner than a journalist. Dr. Nassim Gill is a GP partner practising in Oldham in Lancashire. Earlier on, I gave him a call and I started by asking him his message to people worried about the crisis. I think the message for me is to remember that this is going to be a a relatively temporary phase and it's a relatively mild illness for most of the population. Only a small percentage of the population are going to be susceptible to developing complications and running into serious problems. So I think the message really is to keep calm under the circumstances, keep ourselves safe, attend to the sensible measures such as hand hygiene and avoiding unnecessary social interaction where we can. But to remember, as I say, that ultimately it's a fairly mild illness that most of us will recover from without any problems. Most of us, if we do get it, will recover from it without many problems. We do hear a lot about this high-risk category. A listener called Sophie asks, what does high-risk group actually mean? Well, that's a good question. And high-risk groups are defined fairly 
clearly now. And they are those groups of individuals who we think that if they were to catch the coronavirus, they would probably be at higher risk of developing complications from it. There are groups that are similar to those that we usually immunise as part of the annual flu campaign every year. So these will be groups of individuals such as pregnant ladies, those over a certain age, around about 70, and those under the age of 70 with significant medical problems such as respiratory problems like asthma, things like heart disease, diabetes, and a number of other similar types of categories. The only groups that aren't included in that in the annual flu campaign are now children, because it does appear that uh, children don't seem to be affected by this virus in the same way. You mentioned asthmatics there. We've got a question about just that from a listener called Charles. I just wanted to know um, if we needed to self-isolate, if we had minor asthma, um, should we self-isolate regardless? Yeah, I think that's right regarding asthma being in the uh, high-risk category, as you quite rightly say. So I think anybody in that group, uh, including Charles, should really be reducing their social interaction. That's the advice that we've been given most recently. So from a practical point of view, the way to reduce that interaction would include things like avoiding contact with other people that obviously have symptoms, avoiding non-essential use of public transport, perhaps working from home if that is possible, avoiding large gatherings and family gatherings probably as well with the advent of uh, Mother's Day soon. Unfortunately, we're going to have to think carefully about avoiding situations of that nature as well. And really looking after your own health. This is a really important point and it's important that people do make sure that they look after their chronic condition and asthma is a chronic condition. So it's important that it's well controlled and Charles would be well advised to make sure that he's taking his inhalers as prescribed. So if Charles and other listeners do decide to stay at home, do you have any tips for them? This is a question from Charlotte about how to keep their home safe. Yeah, I guess that we all want to keep, uh, remain as safe as possible. And in, in an ideal world, keeping your home safe means ensuring that you reduce the chances of the virus entering your home. So probably to avoid no unnecessary visits to the house, no unnecessary social gatherings at the house would be sensible. And then looking at it from the point of view of when you're in the house to prevent it entering your body, so to speak, Again, it's the principles around hand hygiene with soap and water, especially when you think you've been exposed. So if you've been out and touched some surfaces that other people have touched, that's the scenario in which you need to be vigilant where hand hygiene is concerned. And also to try not to touch your face and your mouth and eyes to the best of your ability. Although, you know, this can be incredibly difficult because we just sort of do it automatically a lot of the time. It's just trying to remember to avoid contact under those scenarios. On that point of avoiding contact, obviously you can't control what everyone around you is doing. We've got a question from Laura who asks, I can work at home, but my flatmate can't. Does her going out to work every day damage my shield? And should I make alternative living arrangements? A really tricky situation. And I'm sure that this is causing Laura a lot of anxiety. Strictly speaking, 
your flatmate could be bringing the virus back into your flat, Laura, and thereby penetrating your shield, as you say. Uh, you need to decide, really, I guess, if it is practical for you to distance yourself effectively from your flatmate whilst sharing the flat. Now, that's going to be tricky, but you would reduce the risk of catching the virus by, again, as we said before, hand washing and cleaning surfaces frequently that have been touched by your flatmate. It's a bit of a judgment call, but if you aren't in the high risk group and Laura doesn't say whether she is or not, then you may wish to just adopt that practical approach of trying to limit the interaction with your flatmate and being vigilant and scrupulous about hand hygiene. Making alternative living arrangements is, of course, the safest option. Now, doctors and the government have made it pretty clear, as you say, that the best way to protect yourself on a daily basis is to wash your hands really thoroughly. But we have questions from listeners asking about other ways to protect yourself. Raman asks, do winter gloves protect you? And we've got a question here from Harris. Hello. So I was wondering about um, about the face masks for coronavirus. Uh, do they work? Are they effective or do they not work? Thank you very much. So again, really good questions from uh, Rahman and Harris. Winter gloves really only protect you insofar as they prevent the virus getting onto your fingers or, and onto your skin. Disposable gloves that healthcare workers allow them to use them and make contact with individuals and then dispose of the gloves. So from a practical point of view, winter gloves aren't really going to make a huge amount of difference from protecting you. And of course, it doesn't stop you then touching your face with the gloves on. So it doesn't really stop the transmission of the virus. Remember that the virus can live on some surfaces for up to 72 hours. So uh, touching a surface or an object with the virus and then touching your own face, eyes, mouth is the main way that the virus is thought to spread. Regarding the use of face masks, there's been a lot of debate about this and I get asked this question quite a lot. What face masks do do is they help to reduce your hand contact with your mouth and nose but the simple masks that most people can buy do not protect you against any airborne virus. So they help, but they won't protect you completely. And as the virus, as I've said, can enter through the eyes as well as the nose and the mouth, they will only provide limited protection. Dr Gill, our final question is from Len. Here it is. I wondered if you've had the coronavirus once and recovered from it, can you get it again? The short answer to that is we don't really know. What what we do know is that you will develop antibodies to the virus if you catch it, but it's unclear how long those antibodies and that immunity currently lasts. So it's possible that you could be reinfected, I think, in the following year, but it's unlikely that you will catch it twice in a short period of time. But we can't really say definitely at this stage Uh, This is an evolving process. We're learning new things day by day, week by week, and we're collating the data. But I think the short answer is we're not sure for certain. Dr Gill, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome.
Don't forget that if you have a question you'd like one of our journalists or experts to answer, maybe you've got a specific question about the virus or you want some tips for working remotely, you can email me a voice note or just a question. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. Self-isolation can bring with it an unintended consequence, loneliness. So today, The Telegraph is launching You Are Not Alone, a collection of stories to showcase community spirit, bring you the best advice and share tips for coping. Our journalists will be trying out virtual supper clubs. We've got plans for a virtual pub quiz, even some wine tasting. Social connectivity is more important now than ever. And we want you to remember that you are not alone. Click on the link in the show notes for more details. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll be back tomorrow evening with another update. In the meantime, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where you can get a free 30-day subscription to The Telegraph online. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.